0: Good morning. This morning's reading is Jonah verse um, chapter 1, verse 17. A great fish swallows Jonah. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Thank you, Dee. Um, good morning. It's great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church Tucson. And um, uh, a couple things before I invite up a friend, and we're going to kind of go through a couple things before we get into our time in Jonah, um, is we're starting a new series in Jonah. And so um, just a, a heads up of where where we'll be, if we're going to be spending five weeks in Jonah, it's an Old Testament um uh, uh, prophetic book. Um, and go ahead and turn with me now if you um, are going to uh, be following along in Jonah 1. I'd encourage you to. And um, if you don't have a Bible with you, I, I would encourage you to, to get one. So would you hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you a copy of God's Word. Okay, I want to make sure you have a copy to follow along with. Um. He, En español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene ninguna Biblia, ese es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en... um, Jonás. Is that right? What? Was that right? Jonás. Jonás. Gracias. Jonás. So if you took one of these Bibles, the English one... um, uh, again, for either, please keep it. Okay? It's our gift to you. And especially as we're in a book like this, and, and we'll talk as we go. Uh, I want to make sure you understand this is God's word that we are hearing. And that as we talk about something like Jonah, probably a familiar story to many. And that's why we, we, we read from that verse about right Jonah's swallowed up by a great fish. And um, that's it, right? And most of us—that's probably what we know about it. And so, want us to understand that what we're reading and learning is God's word, and is much more than uh, just the things that we kind of insert into it. Um, also, I know from personal experience, it's hard to find. Okay, so um, if you took one of these Bibles, the, the English one at least, it's in—it's on page 861. And let me just say too, on the front end, always. And here, this—it's uh, not usually a good to ask someone to speak on behalf of fill in the blank anyway, right? It's like we're all different. But on behalf, I'm going to break that rule right now. On behalf of Christianity, um, it's always okay to turn to the table of contents and just look it up, okay? It's, it's no shame in that. Um, I, di- I did it like this week, okay? Because I'm like, where is that? No, it's um, so anyway, do that. We'll get more into that um, in a bit, but, but let me just again say where we're headed. So we're in Jonah for five weeks. Then throughout the summer, we're going to be back in the New Testament in um, Philippians throughout the summer. Then starting in the fall, we're going to get into Exodus back in the Old Testament, book number two. And um, we're going to be there all the way up until Advent or Christmas season. All right. So we've got Jonah, Philippians, Exodus, Advent. All right. Amen. Amen means like I'm tracking with you, and I agree. So now before we get into all that, I'm going to invite up uh, my friend Joe Jewel. So Joe, and he just has a fun name to say, so that's all school. So Joe Jewell, um, grab a mic, come on up here. And um, so I'm excited to introduce Joe to some of you, He's, and we're kind of doing things backward. He's already been up here before and done some things, and... Um, and kind of helped lead through different parts of our, our service. But we're really excited to bring Joe on as a r- resident. Ours are hard for me. Rs and L's. Um, just FYI. <laughs> Redemption Church. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, liturgy. There's a lot of them. But Joe is coming on as a re- President, and um, and it's kind of a twofold piece. On the one hand, for us as a church um, to get to, we exist to strengthen and birth healthy local congregations, and that includes raising up leaders to, uh, to help. And, and, and so um, a p- part of that is just for us to kind of pull back the curtains, invite Joe to the table to serve at various different aspects within the church and to learn and see um, what we do and just kind of how we go about things here. So um, again, we're very excited to bring Joe on and and, um, Joe, why don't you go ahead and introduce your family and and yourself to us and then also just share how we can be praying for you. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, this cool picture here, uh, if you don't notice, it's like down the street. It is cool. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah. Uh, that's my beautiful wife, Lillian. Uh, she's the taller woman. And uh, <laughs> the little one is uh, my little princess, Grace, and then my, my little man, Micah, uh, right there. Uh, we, mm. My wife and I were born and raised. We're Tucson natives, so uh, yeah.
1: Like yeah. <laughs> just right in front of me. Joe, I forgot. I, I kind of said yeah, I forgot. Before you share a prayer request, I was going to explain some things. Um, so a part of Joe entering into this residency, different residencies are done differently. And for Joe, um, he's going to raise some financial support to help um, supplement his... his time here. So he can be more kind of involved in a day in and day out of things. Um, Joe's going to be raising financial support, um, uh, t- again, to, to supplement what um, he's doing to help kind of make that work. So uh, that's something that, that's um, u- unique about what you're doing. Yeah. And so with yeah. that uh, kind of softball, no, yeah. but um, just yeah, share with us how we can be yeah. praying for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, aside from uh, just God's providence for, for our family and You know with fundraising you know we've been in this position before and it's you know it just takes a lot of like groundwork and stuff so just praying for those praying for those meetings um you know uh, this is kind of a re-entry into ministry we took a year off and really just spent some time with the lord and as a family so our prayers if you would pray with us is just that it would be a fruitful time Um, of of ministry for for me and for my family Um, and and some I've been praying for and if you would pray with me um, that I would just be a blessing to you guys Mm. um, and to you uh, just this wonderful church body Um, and so I would serve and just be a blessing. Um, so yeah, that would be those kind of three things we're praying for. Yeah, so,
1: that's great. Yeah, yeah. on that, I mean, as Joe said, we as we've grown um, numerically, we really want to grow in our, our structure and our ability to care for the people God's entrusting to, to us as a church. And so that's, a, again, also a big part of Joe um, joining the team. So let's go ahead and pray for, for Joe and his family and, and for us as a church. Um, yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you again for, for for, Lord, you are a God who p- provides. And even as we'll see today, you pursue your people and you're involved in so many ways beyond what we can comprehend or imagine, Lord. You're involved in Joe's life and his family's life and all the different places you've brought them to l- lead up to where they are. And, Lord, as we as a church, you're providing and working f- within our congregation and those things intersect together. We, we thank you for that and we're in awe of, of your sovereignty and your intimate presence in the, in the comings and goings of your people. And, and Lord, we do want to pray for Joe and his family. Lord, pray that you'll provide. We trust in your providence, um, Lord. We, we ask that you will make it um, work in the way that you have, have planned for Joe and his family to be able to invest and be invested in, in, this, in this season. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, let's thank Joe. Thank you, guys. All right, and I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. But before I, I do, uh, something I didn't want to forget to mention. Um, if you notice these beautiful flowers up here on the sides of the stage, I don't know if you saw that. Um, actually, Joel Harris and I hung those up to, like, old, dad's climbing up a tall ladder hanging these beautiful paper flowers up there, but it was, and actually the woman that made them was here kind of instructing us, and it was awesome, but they're up there, and they were all over this place because Safford yesterday, so the school where we are, that's Safford, celebrated 100 years as a school. Yes, so it, um, Again is really cool in fact, one of the there were a ton of older um, people here. One woman I met was from the class of forty nine here at the school, and she went from here went on to Tucson High and only got to stay there for a year because she had to get into um, helping to, to work and, and that was right around World War II just after it and other people were were drafted, a bunch of veterans and something is cool that I want to share here if you um, remember we just sang a song right in Spanish and English and there was a huge sign over the door that said bienvenidos right welcome in Spanish and a couple of the people one older man um, in his 70s Um, walking in he had like two canes and he was a a military veteran and he said you know this is um, amazing because we weren't allowed to speak Spanish when we came here uh, when I came here and he's he speaks Spanish he's a Spanish-speaking man and um, served in the military and here he wasn't able to speak the language that that they spoke in his home and so just again celebrating um, and grieving Right, Grieving the brokenness that's still real in the world that we're in today and um, celebrating that there can be a sign welcoming alumni in Spanish and that we can sing in Spanish as well. So again, um, praise God and Lord forgive us and help us. Right, we say that together. So let's pray and um, we'll see some of that stuff addressed in Jonah. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we again love you and thank you. And um, we, as we have prayed this morning, you're, you're a big God. And um, we, we grieve where we have erred and strayed and wandered and sinned. And, and we also um, thank you that you, 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 Lord, you pursue. And that you haven't just left us in our mess, but you've entered in. So we pray that you'll shape us and lead us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are going to um, get into our time together in Jonah, and we'll just kind of explain as we go, right? Like I said, we started at the end, the big fish, and you know some of that stuff. Well, we're going to just dive in and read and, and explain and hopefully um, maybe throw out some of the, some of the stuff we've assumed and, and, and learn who God is and what it means to be his people. So um, picking up in Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So I don't want to assume that we know all this stuff as we read, even if you grew up in church and you sang all the songs at camp and all these different things like that. Um, a couple things, okay, that are are going on here. I'm going to kind of work my way back to explaining. One is Jonah is a prophet, right? And and so the job of the prophet was to hear from God what he wanted to tell his people and then to call God's people to faithfulness, to obedience, that God is God and he has called his people to know him and to walk with him and often they, slash we, right, wander and and go uh, and say, no thanks, we want to do it our way and the role of a prophet was to hear God and then call the people back to faithfulness. Usually, up until this point, throughout the scriptures, that's always been um, specifically the Jewish people or the people of God or the people of Israel. But here, God is calling Jonah to go to this place, Nineveh, which we'll talk about who they are and, and, and all that stuff. But, but, but Jonah, um, it, it, as a prophet, you, you, you seek to live in the presence of God. Okay, that's your only hope. That's your only safety. That's where you get all your marching orders and you do what you're, you're told, all right? Jonah is doing none of that, right? He's not doing what he's told. God says, go here, and he's like, all right, I'll go here, right? God says, go up, he goes down. It, it even is used there multiple times, this imagery of, 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 of something going up to God and God's presence being up and God is on the throne and God is presiding over and ruling over and then um, Jonah goes down. He goes down into the ship. In a moment, we'll see, he goes down into the sea, goes down into the, into the big fish, right? He, he's fleeing God's presence, and again, this is huge because it fits into the bigger story because, okay, hear me now. First of all, we need to understand where Jonah, um, where, where our story and how we're entering and reading God's word, how that fits into, into this specific story of Jonah. And then beyond that, we need to understand where Jonah fits into the bigger story of God. All right, again, he's he's a prophet. Well, let's back up all the way to the beginning, and if you've been here since the beginning of the service, um, you've heard some of the stuff right that we've walked through. All right, we walked through the the all of life interview, and we understand that in the very beginning, God created. Right, that God is 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 artistic and he's creative and he uses different m- mediums and um. Good job, by the way, Tina and, and Jake. That was awesome. And I love that Jake tries to act all casual, but he's totally not. All right? He is A-type and um, responsible and all that. So don't take his ridiculous Dodgers cup up here. They didn't even drink from, by the way. Where are you at? It's like a worship leader holding a guitar and never strumming it, right? Just to look cool. Um, sorry, I digress. Anyway, back. <laughs> I'm throwing shade right now. I can't, um Anyway, I'm a Padres fan. We can't. Um, Anyway, okay, come back. Okay, God creates. He created everything. Created creatively very well. Everything is beautiful, reflects him. And as the climax, the the penultimate uh, reflection of himself is you and me, is humanity. God said, let us make man in our image but then sin enters in, right? We talked about that. It's God saying, this is what it means. Be in my presence. Come close to me. And and, and then us saying, no, I want to be far from you. I want to define how life ought to be lived. You say everything in life, right? You say hobbies, relationship, self-image, work, all this should flow this way. Well, I want to take a shortcut or I, I want it my way or I think it should go this way. And so we turn and, and, and go apart. Uh, as we often quote Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. God has his way and we've said, I want to do it my way. And the result is brokenness and death and pain on every level of, of, of life. And so from there, God could have left us to our own devices, could have said, good luck, fine, then you made your bed, now you sleep in it, but thankfully he doesn't. Okay, he makes a promise in Genesis chapter 12 specifically. He says, I'm going to hone in on one man, and from that man, I'm going to establish a family, that's the people of God, and their role is going to be to be a blessing to the nations. And it's a foreshadowing, he says, and, and, and that name will be a blessing. And he's specifically um, setting the table for what we now know to be the name of Jesus. Okay, that through the entire world, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, right? That the entire world. And so, and so God makes that promise way back in Genesis chapter 12. And then again from there, in that time of that promise, his people are constantly going inward, are constantly being selfishly oriented and focused. And like you and me, and like Jonah, they take their individual stories outside of the bigger story of God. And say, I want to be the author, I want to be the hero, I want to make it all about me, I want to, I want to define the script, I want to be the main character, I want it to be all this stuff. And, and, and that's where Jonah's at, that's where you and I are at, that's where time and time again the people of God are at. Until, thankfully, right, we celebrated last week, he sent Jesus The perfect Abraham, the perfect Jonah, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the one to come and to do what none other could do to make it able so we could be reconciled to God as his people. Amen. But we hear that stuff and just kind of go and take it for granted. We need to enter back into this story here, Jonah, and see where we find ourselves in this story. Okay, the, the, let me just give it away on the front end. Jonah's not like, be more like Jonah, right? That's not what the kids are going to learn back there. That's not what you and I need to learn. As we read this, we need to see, wow, God, you still work in spite of your people. And so, again, Jonah makes it all about himself. But the big idea today and throughout the entire series in Jonah is this, okay, is, is a call to surrender to the pursuing God whose kindness leads his people to repentance. Surrender to the pursuing God whose kindness leads his people to repentance. In case I forget, because as we've already experienced more and I can get a little distracted, repentance is the opposite of what I just described, right? Sin is not God. Sin is God is here and calling us to live in his presence and sin is walking away from him and repentance is returning. Is, is a redirection, a reorientation, a surrender to God. Okay, so that's where we'll be walking through this morning as we look at this. So why did Jonah flee? Why didn't he want to do what God was calling him to do? God said, go to Nineveh. Go up to Nineveh from where he is in Jerusalem, and I'll get it. We'll fill in the details like toward the end of the sermon. By the way, okay. So, but he says go to Nineveh, and Jonah's like, no, I'm going this way. Well, why didn't he want to go to Nineveh? Okay, couple things. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Nineveh, but still to this day, historians, anthropologists, cultural anthropologists, um, Nineveh, which was the capital of of Assyria, is the most brutal terrifying, ruthless kingdom, perhaps in the history of the world, all right? If you ever saw the movie 300, I won't ask you to raise your hands and or flex your abs or whatever, Um, right? But if you ever seen that um, movie, you know that the, 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 the kingdom they're fighting against, that's who we're talking about here. All right, that kind of just brutal, huge superpower. And they would do things, now this is a little gruesome, but we need to understand, enter into Jonah's story here, right? They would like skin people alive and then hang that skin up to remind outsiders and insiders what would happen if they went against, if they spoke against the, the king and his kingdom, all right? It was that kind of place. It was terrifying. So on one end here, Jonah flees from this. And, right, we can understand. And just even to use God's word to explain stuff, not just m- movies like 300. Um, in the, in the other, another prophet about 150 years after Jonah, Nahum chapter 3. I think I, I have it up here. Nahum chapter 3 explains Nineveh like this. Woe to the bloody city all full of lies and plunder, no end to the prey, the crack of the whip and rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot, horsemen charging flashing sword and glittering spear, hosts of slain, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies. All right. I need to say no more. All right. That's Nineveh. And just kind of, to give away the end of God deals with, with Assyria. He deals with Nineveh. They fall. right? But at this point, can enter into this story. We don't need to know all those details. We don't need to know all that part. We need to enter into where Jonah is. God says. God who created everything. God who sees all. God who is on the throne. And who all things come up before his presence. He says, Jonah, go to that great city. And Jonah says, no, I want it my way. Why? Well, likely he's using common sense. All right. He's like, "Uh, I know I've heard a little bit about Nineveh and um, I'm not about to go speak against them. I know what will happen to me. Conventional wisdom says, uh, don't pass go. Don't try to collect $200, right? I'm going to play it safe right here. All right. But he's relating to God and God doesn't, call his people to ultimately use common sense is common sense good is wisdom good yes but when we take that and we now are driven by that and we use that to decide what we're going to say yes to and no to that god is calling us to there's a problem there another thing is fear understandably not just common sense but he's likely grown up under the under the, the the strong hand of assyrian rule Okay, as far as we know, um, Israel wasn't like enslaved yet, or they hadn't been captured and fully taken over by Assyria yet at this time. But they've most certainly been bullied. All right, they've most certainly been the the big the big person on the playground has shaken them down for some 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 lunch money, if you will. All right, and, and it's this idea that he would now just want to go and preach a message of good news, to go and like evangelize these people who have bullied him and his family and his people, right? we can probably understand that. Like this is the man keeping you down, right? It's like, I don't want what's best for Assyria. And then lastly, there's a bit of, I'm going to use the word here because this is, makes sense, a bit of n- nationalism going on. And 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 it's not just patriotism, right? They are God's people and they're called to do things and be faithful as God's people and to be distinct and separate from the other nations. But again, God's call was that the Israelites, for whom Jonah is a prophet, that they would be um, that they would they would be a blessing to the nations, right? But 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 Jonah's not just being patriotic here, he's being nationalistic. He's now saying, good is us is our language, is our culture, is what we know, what we eat, what we do, and God is ours, and he doesn't care about, and in fact, he probably even is going to smite everyone else. Um, author and pastor Tim Keller writes a book actually about Jonah. It's called The Prodigal Prophet. It's great. Um, and this is something that he says about what Jonah is doing here. What Jonah is doing is what some have called othering. To categorize people as the other is to focus on the ways they are different from oneself, to focus on their strangeness and to reduce them to these characteristics until they are dehumanized. We then can say, you know how they are, so we don't need to engage with them. This right othering makes it possible to exclude them in various ways. By simply ignoring them, or by forcing them to conform to our beliefs and practices, or by requiring them to live in certain poor neighborhoods, or by just driving them out. All right, I'm just going to get real here, all right? Again, if we hear a song sung in Spanish, and something in it says, this is America, all right, I, I don't want to hear that. I- I'm in... I'm in this church right now, I, I, this is my language, I don't want to hear that. And we largely sing in English, that's the dominant majority language. Of, but if we, our first flinch is that, all right, is, is um, you know, my kids play in mariachi group. They actually go to a school, similarly, where they weren't allowed to speak Spanish, and now it's a Spanish immersion school. It's a bilingual school, a, a number of other families here go to that same school. Well, one time they were playing in a church, and they were playing "God Bless America" in Spanish, and someone from the church stood up and said something along those lines. This is America. This is a Christian church where we speak English. Like, and the the director Jaime um, just like without skipping a beat was like, "This is just like." All right, kids in English, and then boom, there they go, bust it out, right? God bless America um, in in English. But just what does that reflect? Okay, we get into, and and hear me too, this isn't like, oh, keep politics out of the pulpit. Like, dude, if God's word can't speak into real everyday life in the community, in the city where we live, like, what can? All right, that's just straight talk. It's a, it's a privileged place to be able to say, um, I'm going to decide what we're going to speak on and what we're not when we come under God's word. All right? Most cultures and demographics have no choice but say, this is real life. How does God's word speak into it? All right? So for Jonah, ultimately, he's just being unfaithful. He's wandering and he's fleeing. Under the surface, it's because he's relying more on common sense than on God's provision and God's wisdom. He's operating more out of fear, and he's ultimately operating out of a place of othering. This is us, that's them, straight talk to hell with them. And yet God pursues. God is a God of pursuit. And so that's what we see here as we continue on our time in, um, in, uh, in, in meet me down in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Jonah flees, God pursues. How does he pursue? He controls the winds and the sea and everything in them. Just quick tip, all right? You want to flee the God- over all of creation, the God of the land and the sea, by going to the sea, probably bad idea, okay? So he flees and God hurls, okay? Take a little, put that on a hook in your mind. We'll get back to that. God hurls um, a a, a great wind upon them. Verse five, then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone, Where? down. He's still fleeing. He's trying to hide. Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Verse 6, so the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? I love that. Like, dang, burn, you sleeper. Arise, Call out to your God, lowercase g, right? Because he's just lumping God into all these other gods. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So Jonah's fleeing and God is pursuing. But how is he pursuing? He's hurling a great wind on the sea. And also these sailors go down and pursue Jonah. Hey, wake up, dude. What are you doing sleeping, all right? We need, we're throwing stuff overboard. We're all calling out to our gods, like whatever, like join in here. Why are you fleeing? Here's the deal. These guys, these sailors, they just think they're just doing what anyone would do. Of course, there's someone sleeping. Wake them up, right? All hands on deck, right? Actually makes sense in this case. Get up here. We need your help. But God's the one pursuing, all right? When we say life is naturally supernatural, this is a little picture of that. As far as these sailors are concerned, they're just doing what anyone would do. But God, through them, is pursuing Jonah. Jonah's trying to flee. God doesn't just leave him to his own vices. He goes and pursues him. All right, And it continues in verse 7 here. Um, Let me find my spot here. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots. Wait for it right? Big surprise, right? We should know here, God's the one who's pursuing. They cast lots. Who does it fall on? Of course, it falls on Jonah. So they're like, whoa, 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 okay. And right, we know all along is the audience we're reading along. Okay, God's the one pursuing. Of course, he's going to use this. From their perspective, they're like drawing straws. It could be anyone, but no, it couldn't. Jonah is the one God has called to call people to faithfulness. Jonah's the one who fled. God's the one pursuing. Of course, it's going to be revealed that Jonah is the one who God is calling out right now. And so they ask this question Who are you? Where are you from? What they're really asking is, whose are you? Where are you from? What's your land? What's your people? And who's your God? What's your life all about? Right? They all have these different gods, right? Lowercase G's, well, I'm I'm from the God of war, I'm from the God of the sea, right? I'm from the God of this. And and they ask this. And Jonah gives a brief little description here, right? He just kind of explains, like, well, you know, basically, I'm um my God is the one who created the the land and, and the seas. And and he just gives like a he basically gives the bare amount of information necessary all right and god still uses it. Jonah says, "Yeah, my god, the one who, you know, created land, sea, all this stuff." And they're somehow captivated by that. F- further on in the story, we learn that that they actually pray. Jonah doesn't yet pray. They pray. These sailors pray and are f- they fear the Lord. They have awe of God. They The author here wants us to understand that these people who shouldn't get it, get it. The religious people who seemingly should get it, don't get it. Jonah the prophet doesn't get it. The people who seemingly shouldn't get it, get it. They pray. They call out to God. They fear God. Something that we need to notice here is that when God is pursuing Jonah, he's also pursuing the sailors, He's also pursuing the Ninevites. It's not either or. It never has to be either or. When we think about evangelism, right, which I know is kind of an ugly word. Sometimes we think, like, oh, what does that mean? Or I don't, you know, if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, I want you to, to, to hear from me right now. What that simply means is good newsing, sharing the good news. The good news that again impacts and shapes every facet of life, how you view yourself, how you relate with others, how you relate with your work, how your, your view of God, your relationship with God, all this stuff that, that is the good news of Jesus: the gospel, the life, death, resurrection, ascension to the right hand of the throne of God, rule and reign and authority over all things, just like this picture we get right now, right? Of, of God sitting on the throne. This that's where Jesus is right now on the throne, and his promise return to restore all things to himself once and for all that's the good news and and god is pursuing jonah as the messenger of the good news at the same time that he is using jonah in spite of himself to reveal himself to these sailors these wayward irreligious sailors and also pursuing nineveh god is a big god god is the god who pursues He's pursuing Jonah at the same time. And again, Jonah gives this kind of really distant, kind of cold description. But, but again, as the audience reading Jonah would know, and what you and I need to know, what we would be screaming out, no, that's not just who God is. God's not just this cold description that, that he gave, right? Like, pick me up, hurl me into the sea. You know, it's like God is, you know, this one who just kind of created distant, far. No, God is, has made himself known. God has revealed who he is in Exodus chapter 34 circle this ear you know make a note here that if ever someone asks you who is God this is a good place to go it's who God says he is when Moses said who should I say sent me this is what God said and then the Lord descended again he's the one pursuing he descended in the cloud and stood with him that's Mo- Moses here and proclaimed the name of the Lord the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Merciful. All right, but who will by no means clear the guilty, which, if we had more time and we want to talk about this, this is an act of mercy and goodness, by the way. He's merciful and he's righteous. He will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. We get, just quick aside, we get hung up, third and fourth generation, that's so messed up, but no, juxtaposing, right, contrasting that is like only to the third and fourth generation. Most cultures throughout history would recognize that part. Whoa, only to the third and fourth generation, but in contrast, he extends the mercy and kindness and generosity to the thousands? Wow. A God of mercy and grace and justice, a good God, a God who pursues, but though Jonah doesn't share all that with these people, God still pursues them and they still respond in some way, right? They turn and, they, and they, they, they pray and they now fear the Lord. They see God for who he is. As I mentioned earlier, just take note in verse 4 and verse 15, right? What do they finally do? Though reluctantly, verse 15, they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Again, you see God sovereignly, all right? This is ground-level theology, all right? I want us to understand this right now. When we talk about high theology, about God's sovereignty and God's providence and God above and ruling over all things, and then his eminence and his transcendence, his presence and his reigning above, this is an example of that, that, again, from everyone's perspective— Yours and mine and everyone, these sailors simply do what they're told. All right, fine. They pick up Jonah and they hurl him into the sea. By the way, I love that they use the word hurl there. Of course, it's written in Hebrew. I don't know that, what that word really is, but I just love the word hurl. It's kind of funny. So they hurl. Well, it's intentionally put there that it would remind you back to who's the one that we first heard hurling in this? God Again, life is naturally supernatural. God is pursuing these sailors while he's pursuing Jonah on his way to pursuing Nineveh. He's a big enough God, and he's the one who's ultimately pursuing Jonah by having him hurled into the sea. God is the one who is pursuing. And then just this last verse that we read in verse 19. I'm sorry, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Again, most of us probably just know those details, right? Okay, this, you know, big fish, all this stuff. By the way, quick couple of sides. It's a big fish, not a whale. It's a fish. Also, did this really happen? Short answer, yes. (laughs) Yes, it did. All right. Uh, If you weren't here last week or you don't know what happened last week, Jesus rose from the dead. That's a bigger deal than a big fish swallowing a human. All right? Like, focus on the right part of the conversation. Okay? it's Could God do this? Yeah, absolutely. God could do this. Does that happen every day? Is it? No. That's why we're here talking about this huge God that, like, created everything. That's another big mind, mind blower, right? Like, so the big idea of Jonah here is not the date, which, by the way, if you're interested in those things, probably 8th century B.C. But something that we got to hear an Old Testament scholar kind of talk about this stuff before we began to preach all this, and he pointed out, listen, um, all the details aren't in Jonah here for probably a pretty good r- reason. That's not the main part of the story. God didn't want us to focus on the wrong parts of the story. Isaiah full of details, tons of details. All right. You want all the details, go to Isaiah, go to Luke. All right. If you're reading about Jesus's life and you read in Mark, a lot of the details aren't there. That's not the main part of the story. You want all the details, go to Dr. Luke. All right. Who writes out all the details in there. Okay. The main idea here, the big idea here is this, that God almighty is a pursuing God. And that all people, his people and all people, his plan is that his people would respond and surrender to his pursuit. And that that happens in response to his kindness. Repentance happens when God pursues with his kindness, his mercy. What we read about earlier in in, um, Exodus chapter 34, that that God, the God who declares himself to be merciful and just, leads his people to respond, to surrender, to repent. So that's probably the last time we're going to really talk about all the details. All right, who wrote it? We don't even know which king was ruling over Assyria at the time. Usually, a lot of authors would put that in there. But again, that's not the point. The point is this pursuing God. Great, mighty, merciful, just. So as we close right now and we kind of prepare to respond today and through these next four weeks, walking through Jonah. How do you see yourself in this story of Jonah? Where have you wandered and fled? Where have you relied more on common sense? Where have you operated out of fear? Where have you succumbed to othering? All right, to writing individuals or whole groups of people off? How do you respond? How is God pursuing you? All right, I want to acknowledge that there are likely two broad categories in here today. People who have confessed with their mouth and believed in their hearts that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. You've put your faith in Jesus. You call yourself a Christian. And still, there are ways that the Lord is revealing you have been disobedient. To be disobedient to God, to flee God is to be outside of his presence. And as we see all throughout Jonah, it's dark, it's painful, it's broken. Apart from God's presence is a scary place to be. And perhaps the pursuing God is calling you to repentance today. I don't know all the details, but you do. And I trust he will put those on your heart. And I encourage you when we respond, to respond to him, to pray, okay, to, to repent to respond to his kindness, his pursuit. And then again, there are others here who have never put their trust in Jesus. Perhaps you thought you were a Christian, but maybe now throughout this time, you're more aware, ah, I'm not really a Christian. That was more of a cultural association or a family thing. But, but I believe God is pursuing you today. If you're here, to me, that's evidence number one. He's pursuing you. How do you respond What does it look like for us to surrender to the pursuing God, whose kindness leads his people to repentance? Let's pray together. Again, Heavenly Father, um, you're big, you're great. Um, I pray that every one of us, from the songs to the time in your word to the All of Life interview, we would just have more of an understanding of your bigness. Lord, that that all of our individual lives, as complex and unique as they are, fit into your greater story. That somehow, right now, in this moment, you know, Psalm 139 tells us, you know every hair on every head in this room. You know the number of days, the number of breaths represented in this room. Lord, you are transcendent and you're present. I just pray that through your spirit, you would lead us to respond to your pursuit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.